brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Hello and welcome to this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here at the table, good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Dave. You talking to me? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> and Reverend Mark. Hello. Oh. He just got through that with flying colors. I can't believe that. <clears throat> our side segments are all about beer, beer, and more beer. And this is our favorite things of 2014 Sud Show. So uh, definitely I am looking forward to this for sure. We, um, we've had a lot of beer that uh, we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be tasting and discussing these beers and rating them with our suds ratings plus our signature belching sounds number one not the model of this but that sucks give me anything but a bud number two standing out a host that no longer come back on our show was was that a belch (laughs) (laughs) number three always sitting here at the table is dave infamous for ah what a relief Number four is some of our new co-hosts that have joined us across from across the pond and elsewhere. Our body should really not make that sound. Also, what Juliana says to Dave on a routine basis. Yes. And, of course, there's what my lovely wife says. Listen to hang time. Give me another. <laughs> so those are the beers. Those are our such ratings uh, that we'll be talking about today. Um, we have had some really great beers for 2014, and today we're going to be talking about some of our favorite beers, and we're also announce our nominees for the 2014 Good Belching Award, which I know most of you are very excited about that. You'll be able to vote on that on our Facebook site for the next few weeks. We'll talk about that at the end of our episode. Here's a short list of some of our top beers from 2014, but I'm sure we'll have a conversation that will drift way off this list rather quickly. But these are some beers that we've got we've had a chance to review right here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Prairie Ale from Prairie Ale. Prairie Bomb from Prairie Ale. Six Points High Res. The Great Divides Hercules Double IPA. Three Floyds Apocalypse Cow. The Brewery, Brian 1000, a great homebrew batch. Jolly Pumpkins, I.O. Saison. McKellar, It's Alive. Evil Twin, Imperial Biscotti Break. The Brewery, Bois, 2014 Anniversary. Nebraska Brewing's, Melange And rounding out this list is Against the Grain's Brown Note. So those are the top beers that we've had uh, to talk about on this show. But uh, like I said... I'm sure that we will drift off that list very, very quickly. We actually have most of these beers off that list uh, that we've actually had here to enjoy while we're talking about this show. Mm-hmm. And a very good lineup, that's for sure. Um, each of us has probably tasted in, in excess of well over 5,000 beers. It that's seems like every day. year. Yeah. 
Well, you know, there's always a mark, and then there's your mark, Dave, which is probably <laughs> more like 11,382. over and above <laughs> whenever I can. So it's difficult to say that really that there's really one beer that, you know, we really have, or frankly, even a short list. And unfortunately, Juliana couldn't join us today, but there is no way on the free planet she could pick a beer. She, everybody's special in her cellar, right? She is... <laughs> Yeah, she has she a lot of kind of, a lot of favorite children <laughs> down in the basement. Just, I, I love you all, I, but I'm drinking you tonight. <laughs> so, pretty much. Yep. Um, at times, I thought this uh, list should actually be called uh, the best, but um, you know, maybe things are so good that you really just—I I really want to try and describe the show as more favorite or things that you should just not pass up if you run across them. You know uh, more than anything. Yeah. So, um, you know we've had some uh, really good good times on the show, and here is one of those for you now. Welcome to Sip Suds and Smokes. This is Good Old Boy Mike, and joining me for this episode is Good Old Boy Chris. Cause, uh... <laughs> okay, all right. So, listen, we have this episode coming up, Chris, and we've got to figure out how to say this beer that you've made for the GABF program correctly. And the correct pronunciation is in dispute, although we've both researched this, and I mean, uh, I think it's Gozea. It's Goza. Goza, like Look, uh, I've called the Philadelphia Beer Authority. I've looked up the German Beer Society, and it says clearly on there. It says, it says Rosea. Oh, it's it's Goza, like you know, she goes to the beach, goes. Uh, no, we're not talking about how somebody goes anywhere. This is about a beer. <laughs> no, but it's 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 an easy pronunci- pr- pronunciation. It's Goza. <clears throat> if it's so easy, then why can't we get it right? <laughs> Got to get this right, man. Because if our listeners don't know how to say this beer, they're going to walk up to a bar and they're going to go, "I want a Gozea," and see they'll get the right beer. Well, it's it's Goza. So, but there's not a bartender alive that would know what what that would mean but if they asked for gozea that's goza they would get the right beer right it's goza so i think we should say it correctly which is no, gozea. goza goza look <clears throat> if i was at a bar with a german sitting next to me and i leaned over and i asked the german uh hey gunter how do you say gozea on guten tag i is i would say gozea See, that's it's exactly how I'd say it. It's a, um, it's a, it's a goza. <clears throat> yeah, but see, that's the name of a river. That's not the name of a beer. No, but it's it's goza though. You know, it's like um, like rose, uh, goza, like the flower rose. Sorry, I thought you said polka. Oh, no, no. Goza. Not polka. Go- uh, goza. Oh. Well, gozea, just like I said it. No, goza. <sighs> Boy, I tell you what. We, we've we got to get this right. So, you know, for this episode, we're going to call it gozea. Well, you're bound to mess me up through this uh, episode, and I'll, I'm sure I'll say it wrong. Maybe just, we should Just have because more, of this. We I should mean, have more beer while we're talking about I, I think so, but it is goza, so. All right. Maybe some more polka music. Whoops, 
Hey, Gozea. Goza. Gozea. Goza. 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 You know, we uh, thought that this actually might be the year of the sour. And while sour, sour beers, sour, boy, toy boy, toy boy. <laughs> well, sour Uh-oh. beers have, I know, just cut me off. This must be a show about oh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a show about beer for sure. Well, sour beers have dramatically increased in production. I'm not quite sure that I'm going to call this the year of the sour. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the questions that I wanted to throw out for a quick discussion is this was something we talked about quite a bit. And we really felt like sour beers were going to kind of come into their own for 2014. So a couple of questions uh, here around this. One is, are there any sour beers that you had that you really felt like were just really amazing, you know, this year? Sure. And what would you predict is what is going to be kind of the breakout uh, topic, you know, for 2015 in the beer industry, uh, other in the U.S. market or globally. Well, when it came to sours, I, I would I had a lot of great ones. Obvious, you know, won't lie about that. But for me, I think as as it relates to sours, it was the year of the ghosts. I'd never had mm-hmm. that style of beer before. Gozea, Gozea, <laughs> and um, Goza. And they're great, yeah. Is it goes goes there, you know? But um, uh, that was the style of beer as far as sours go that um, kind of opened my eyes to what that could and be. And what's really sad with that, Dave, is that I've had I had a conversation. I know she brought the uh, Anderson Valley, you know, blood orange mm-hmm. uh, goes with you, and you know the number of conversations that I've had people about that style. I just cannot get the Westbrook out of my head. I love it. That's the best one. I am telling you. And um, I actually have the original Goza reference style that was actually made in Belgium. Um, And um, I bought two or three bottles of that when I ran into it. And I actually tasted that right alongside some of these other ones that have have hit the market, like from Golden Gate and Anderson Valley and Westbrook. Um, I've had the one from uh, Perennial Ale. It was only uh, draft only. Yeah. Um, Cigar City had one. Yeah. Um, a lot of people did it. Yeah. It's just interesting the measure of variability around that style. You yeah. know, I, um, there is something about the, I call it the saline quality of the salt yeah. in that um, beer is very difficult to try and get right. Um, Absolutely. And many times I find that it's, uh, I don't know, that's either too sweet or too watered down or the salt, you know, content is, it's a wrong kind of salt, you know. Um, And the thing I keep coming back to is with that Westbrook is it just has that mark of what I would describe as salinity, you know, saline base, you know, kind of salt content where it's not abrasive, you know. Yeah. And it actually complements, and you almost—I mean—you want to have more than one of those beers. It's balanced. I mean, that—that's the secret to all of it. Is the flavors, the different flavors, fall into line the way they should? Yeah. You know, this hits you, then this hits you, then this hits you, and then you get the salt, 
and it carries you out you know well i really enjoyed you know uh our entire discussion about uh you know goza's you know beer with chris allen who produced a really great yeah homebrew version you know of that and actually used you know acidulated malt you know as a souring agent you know around that as opposed to that is not how that beer is traditionally made and yet his was just phenomenal for the style of ingredients that he used i was just really blown away and uh it was very unfortunate what happened um yeah you know at uh at gabf about his beer not not being judged but that didn't diminish um you know the quality of the beer that chris produced or uh you know i think it hopefully it didn't discourage him from wanting to go after and compete in the program you know once again so oh no chris is he's a competitor he's fired up yeah He'll, very much he so. will be mm-hmm. out there yeah reverend mark any uh any great sour beers that you really thought were amazing this year and what do you think is kind of the go-to you know style or thing to watch out for 2015 well i think i had many really good sours this year some local some uh, you know international uh, i kind of double back on the conversation we just had uh in another at another time about the uh, uh gbf and how we were hovering around the uh the epic uh, elder brett uh, mm-hmm. I, uh that was mm-hmm. one that i just uh Wanted to snatch up a couple of bottles of, and it was just <laughs> couple cases. Couple, yeah, 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 a couple of barrels. Uh, you know, so to me, that I'm just so impressed with with Epic and and uh, you know how they've now expanded, you know, from Salt Lake City, you know, into Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that they they build all their beers. You know, I mean, all breweries build their beers from the from the ground up, but they even build their water. You know, in, yeah. in ways that are very interesting. Uh, so that would be one. Uh, I'd say, you know, as I was looking through some of my notes for this year, uh, another one that really uh, uh, has stayed with me is that was the Wicked Weed Serenity. Mm, yeah. Uh, now, this is a beer that uh, um, I actually had before GABF, and it was actually a beer that they served at the media luncheon for uh, GABF as yeah. well, is when um, several yeah. of you actually had it all at the same time. Um, you know the uh, one of the great events that happened this year is Wicked Weed actually opened up a section of their facility called the Funkatorium, mm. and I still think that Brandon Jones from Yazoo Brewing is pissed that they stole that <laughs> name uh, because it is just uh, it is so apropos of really um, a lot of what those beers you know have brought to the market. Wicked Weed has only been around for maybe two years that so, they've been yeah. you know, producing beers. And what a great uh, lineup of beers. Serenity is awesome and a great example. Um, so I know that uh, some of the other beers um, that they've had, uh, the Bredesant is another great beer that they have in their sour line. Yeah. It's like the it's like the quintessential Brett beer. I mean, if anybody had to tell me, like, what's the perfect Brett beer, I would say Bredesant, you know, from Wicked Weed. It is just so good. So maybe this wasn't the the year of the sour because, you know, sour really, you know, indicates more of like a lactobacillus or pediococcus. Yeah. Maybe this was the year of the funk. You know, funky Brett beers because right. everybody I is agree. brewing with Brett. Yeah, that's true. You know? I'd say another one of my favorites. Uh, I have a bottle. Uh, at least I have only one now. Uh, was in 2014. 
was the uh, Boulevard Brett Saison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we, you and I talked about that, you know, last couple of days, and we were talking about um, kind of how Duvall is kind of settling in, and would we get to see anything that good, you know, from Boulevard, you know, once again. Uh, you had brought Love Child number four, um, you know, to kind of enjoy, you know, that particular day, and yet our conversation kind of drifted over and started talking about um, the Brett Saison. Um, Dave, you hit it right on the head, man. If I had to think about, of all the new sour beer that was released, if I had to pick, it was the year of the funk, not the year of the sour. Yeah. Because the the bread, the bretoir and the, the bread, period, um, that was just introduced all over the place was really quite prolific. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really wonder if people are going to drift into more traditional, you know, sours. It was... Well, the, the lambics are definitely, you know, the the ruling the ruling class right now only in the sour line, you know, itself. And yet there's so many other great sour beers. Well, American wild beers are growing. Yeah. But I think you I think it's a process. You know, you can't take someone who a year or two ago was drinking Stella and get them to drink a lambic. You know, you've got to take them into like flavorful IPAs and and different things, and then you take them into tart beers. You know, there's a distinction. There's tart beers, which are the Brett beers, and then there are sours. You know, something that makes you pucker up. Right. You know? Yeah. So um, it's it, but it's it's a we we all all three of us we made our progression. Mm-hmm. You know from. From what we were drinking before to opening up our minds and our palates to 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 figure out that just because it's sour doesn't mean it's bad. It's can actually be quite beautiful. Yep. I think also uh, we talk we're talking about how Chris Allen, you know, was able to, you know, ingeniously uh, come up with this gosa that was just first of all it has to be served really fresh you know it's yeah. it's not unlike a berliner vice in that this is a beer that like needs to if you brew it today it almost needs to be it's served tomorrow low grav yeah gotta gotta be fresh but also aside from the yeast it's it's a question of being able to introduce this kind of flavor profile to the average beer consumer that's not ready for anything like overwhelming uh, by being able to manage it on the grain side. So yeah. the, the acidulated malt then becomes a way in which you can say, okay, this time I'll add an extra 2%. Yeah. And you can start kind of just through gradations, you know, adding yeah. more of that flavor. Also, of course, I mean, the acidulated malt and, uh, and uh, uh, the lactic acid, you can, yeah. uh, others will use a little bit of lactic acid in the sparge to even add even more. Uh, you really kind of, playing with danger when you get into that but if you you know if, if you, you do just it do right it, though. if you do it right yeah. yeah yeah let me ask you this mike um we we talked about the year of the funk but this is something that we've all talked about throughout the year and it's something we talked a lot about um at the uh at the uh, rare beer tasting and and even throughout gabf would 2014 also have been the year of the barrel Hey, we'll be right back after we take a quick break and answer Dave's question about, is this the year of the barrel? Plus, get another great moment of our Suds episodes from 2014. Mm-hmm. 
listen to that hang time. Give me another. Good old boy Dave, what do you think of uh, Timmerman's Oud Gasset here? Yeah, I was, as I was drinking this, I was thinking, you know, if I if I closed my eyes and held out a glass and said, give me a Gusey, this is one of the beers that I would really want. Now, see, I saw you with your eyes closed, and I, th- I thought you were thinking, oh, my God, thank God good old boy Mike brought this beer. Oh, I can't, I can't believe you brought this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You must have really long delusions to be of grandeur. Anyway. Be able to pat yourself on the back. Hang on that a second. Let me deflate my ego here just a little bit. <laughs> How'd this guy get his head through the door? So anyway, back to the guze. Yes. Um, no, great job bringing this in. Seriously, Timmermans is a is a really strong brewery. Anyways, I've had a few of their beers and everything's been really good. Um, to go along with Reverend Mark, you know the the acidity, and the sourness is there. It's definitely there, but it doesn't dry you out as it finishes, and it, it's got a nice balance to it. And so, uh, again, I'll I'll go along with Reverend Mark, and I'll give it a five. Listen, that hang time. Give me another. Yeah. Little gal, Juliana. What do you think about Timmerman's Udguze here? Well, I too. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Suds from 2014 and our best of show here. Now we pick up our conversation with Dave about 2015. Is this the year of the barrel? Um, no. Uh, you know, I think uh, um, that's really the topic that I would say was going to be for 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so the conversation that I remember that we had with that we had with a lot of brewers last year is, well, so what do you, you plan on doing? I'm going to increase in capacity. Um, what are you planning? I'm increasing capacity. I want mm-hmm. larger fermenters. You know, I want another facility. I want more. You know, more, 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 more. The conversation this year was all about, hey, have you heard about our new barrel room? <laughs> Right, and so have you it's heard about our new barrel for, line? And yeah. um, you know, I, one of their conversations I had with somebody, you know, um, even today before we kind of stepped here in the studio was um, that one of the more difficult aspects that is really kind of facing a lot of the brewers that are kind of heading into the barrel age, you know, uh, concepts is just the raw availability of barrels. Um, barrel brokers, they're just not. Yeah, they really are coming down to the point where you know. Used barrels are actually a real commodity right yeah. now, and you know. So I think that um, at the same time, when you look at the influence that barrel aging is having on many different styles of beers, you can't help but look and say, "Wow, I really love you know the future yeah. of what this is going to do in the brewing industry itself." It strikes me as a bit of a double-edged sword um, about barrel aging as well. The one thing is, is that I, I loathe the the fact that people are lazy and draw very quickly of thinking that things are always going to be better in a barrel. Right. Beer that sucks that you drop in a barrel is going to be barrel-aged beer that sucks. Yep. <laughs> True. And you know that's one of the things that I. I guess maybe I'm able, my palate is able to bob and weave, you know, through a lot of these barrel edge, you know, projects and say the the base beer itself was something that was very good to begin with. And yeah. so I think that's the reason why things 
um, are very good, you know, in whatever they've done with it, you know, in the barrels because the barrel they put in the barrel was actually very good, yeah, you know, to begin with. So you think probably this time next year we'll really be talking about what was good in a barrel versus, or like what people were doing in barrels. Yeah, and I think there are going to be um, things that are going to be on uh, what I would consider some of the barrel choices that people are using right now. I'm going to call it the beyond the bourbon era. era. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> and I think at the Pied Piper of that line, it for me is going to be the one that I talked about earlier, which was the Melange Trois in a Chardonnay barrel. Yeah. And oddly enough, you know, I, I mentioned very briefly that uh, Bombdale Baconis which is actually aged in a rum barrel. Mm. Um, and many of the beers that I've actually enjoyed that I thought were fabulous um, in a barrel age were actually rum barrels. They were not bourbon. Yeah. Because um, it seems like every time you know we get a hold of a barrel age, I mean, our conversation drifts really quick, which is, is that boozy or not? Yeah. This is like the hang time on that is like one and a half seconds. Yeah. Do you get you the know? vanilla from the yeah. bourbon? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've even had something I can't lay my finger on, but in a tequila, aged in a tequila oh, barrel. Oh, it was at GABF. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, um, it was, oh man. Um, I'll let you think about that. Yeah, yeah. Help me, help me with that. There's a, a lookout for Black Abbey. They're doing stuff in gin barrels. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah, they have, you know, a wide variety That's of good. barrels, you know, stacked, yeah. you know, there in the brewery at uh, Black Abbey from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, you know, in a cross off in a crossover topic, you know, is that when you look at how the vast majority of a lot of the bourbon is being made at MGP in Indiana, and how things are actually being aged um, now, I don't know that uh, you can really say that you might call these the good old days, uh, because I'm not so sure that that concept of of how things are even being barrel aged are going to hold a lot of traditional yeah. concepts um i don't know you guys probably have not listened to this other show um where we talked about one of the products that was being made on the on the bourbon side of you know the industry is that they're actually uh, almost pressure cooking um a a bourbon barrel to actually force you know basically the bourbon into the wood um from a an aspect of just changing the pressure characteristics, yeah. you know, around it. And uh, I uh, was not a believer until I sat down and tasted it in a blind taste testing with uh, good old boy Jason uh, from the show. And I was just strangely surprised, you know, about how that went. And uh, so I don't know how all that's, you know, going to work out, you know, around barrel aging. But uh, I think to answer your question in a more concise way, Yes, I think we'll be talking about barrel aging, you know, this time next year. And uh, blending, I would say, would be probably the secondary topic, you know, right off that. Um, We're going to have a show in the not-too-distant future about Cascade uh, Brewing out of Oregon. And what a prime example of that conversation where they have no fermentation tanks at all at Cascade. What? Yes, they are all, they use all barrels and it's all blending. And if you really talk about what I think might be, you know, the 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 concept of really bringing great blending into great beer making, 
they're probably right now what I think probably at the front edge of that conversation because we've we've experienced some of that already you know sometimes it's been a hint of you know coffee or it's been yeah. you know some sometimes I mean one of my favorite beers is is white oak from um, the brewery which is half blended it's yeah. half of its barrel aged and the other half is not well, a lot of great lambics are you know yeah, are blends great, too you great know. you know great example well uh, real quick the one sour beer that I really thought was quite amazing it was actually on the show and we had it here today and I I can't rave about it enough, and that is Prairie Ale's Prairie Ale. Mm. It's just like the diehard go-to sour ale. I mean, I yeah. could drink that beer almost nearly every day. It is just so good. Um, it's just really fabulous. Those guys are amazing. Um, I think the other uh, one that's very close to that is I get in a lot of conversations about, um, so uh, when are you guys going to talk about Cantillon? <laughs> and... Um, on the show and uh, which is if you don't know what that is it's a it's a beer that's produced in Belgium it's a Belgian brewery um, and it's turning into a bit of a unicorn and it's a kind of a beer geek kind of thing if someone wants to hear us talk about it please send us three bottles <laughs> and we will talk about yeah. it <laughs> um, so it is a little difficult to get a hold of you know really good Cantillon um, but you know, just the concept of you know uh, gouzes and lambics in general were not really a very hot you know style even four years ago. You could walk up and buy you know a crack uh, or a, a lambic um, you know for just like four bucks. That yep. was you know a bomber. And today for forty dollars, you still can't even find that beer. Yep. So there's something about artificial inducement. There's one gouze that I really uh, that is here today that. I always love coming back, and people ask me what's my favorite gouze. We happen to taste it this year on the show, and that's Timmerman's Limited yes. Edition gouze. It is just a fabulous gouze. It's it's something you can find. It's something that's not a unicorn, and I have been in many, many sour tastings, and I've been in plenty of Cantillon tastings as well. I will tell you, I will pick that Timmerman's all day long and twice yeah. on Sunday. Yes, It is that good. And I'm so glad that uh, we were able to have some of that um, here today as well. Well, we're uh, swinging around to our last topic of the day, which is uh, our nominations for the Good Belching Zone Award. It's a great, uh, it's an award that we have here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Um, the Good Belching Zone Awards is an honor, nay, a privilege, of less than honorable establishments. <laughs> but there are lots of great places to enjoy a pint, but only a few a few are worthy of being a good belching zone. <clears throat> so here they are in no particular order for 2014. The McKellar Bar in San Francisco, California. Bridge Tap Room in St. Louis, Missouri. The Holy Grail in St. Louis in, in Louisville, Kentucky. That's sad. And Rattle and Hum in New York City are four nominees for Good Belching Zone Awards for 2014. Now, I've been actually to all these places. Um, and uh, I know many of you have been to a few of these places as well. Well, you know, I've actually been kicked out of two. Um, <laughs> and there's a third one that I may be banned from, depending on the, how the video turns out. I am not going to represent you in that, Dave, because <clears throat> I'm laughing my head off too much going, I don't know that gentleman. 
Uh, the one thing I uh, want to mention is I don't want you to forget about our past nominees and our distinguished winners already in this category that I wanted to mention here as well. The 2012 winner is Craft Brood in Nashville, Tennessee. Yay. We're so happy. Uh, uh, Chip is a great friend, and he and Maggie are really great proprietors. Um, they just happen to be here in Nashville, Tennessee, where we record quite a few shows here in Nashville as well. Our 2013 winner is The Blue Monk in Buffalo, New York, home of the greatest mussels on the face of the free planet on U.S. soil. Mm. Uh, really great uh, place. Um, should always avail yourself if you get an opportunity to visit either one of those good belching zones or any of our past good belching zone nominees. Which I'm, I'm sure a couple of those are about, they're going to cycle back around and be considered. Because uh, the one that uh, was a past nominee and that we got to spend some time at is the Cheeky Monk. Monkey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in Denver, Colorado. And it was great that we had our event for GABF there. Go back and check out that episode if you'd really love to hear a bunch of fools with microphones. I'm not talking about just Dave. And to, despite <laughs> what you may have heard, I was not escorted out. <laughs> so uh, I know you guys have been to a couple of these places. What are what are some of the things you remember about some of these? Well, I remember uh, actually being with uh, you, good old boy Mike, and uh, at the Bridge Tap Room in St. Louis. And uh, uh, yeah, I just um, it was it was a nice reprieve, if nothing else, from uh, a conference in which there were, we were beerless otherwise, except for the one night I got to bring in some of my homebrew. Uh, so I was very impressed with with the bridge, as well as uh, you know its uh, its menu, its other menu besides the beer menu. Um, I mean, just uh, the thing that that strikes me about bridge is um it's just a great place and um it's a great wine room um and Mm. their food is just phenomenal i mean um their charcuterie plates are probably some of the best ones that i've ever been able to just buy at a bar but um the thing that really kind of pushes them into this category of being nominated is the staff um and the selection of products that they have at, at the bridge tap room I really love uh, the combination of people with good information with people with good products. Yeah. And um, it just really turns into a, a win-win situation. They have great location. Um, they, have, they have just a really great tap room there. And, you know, for a place that maybe not everybody's a, a beer lover, I, I think it's just a great place, you know, for a lot of people to go. Um, there are a lot of great places there in St. Louis, um, you know, that I had the pleasure of, of going to this year. And but, wow, I mean, uh, the Bridge Tap Room—it uh, was just easy. I mean, I remember sitting at that bar for like the first ten minutes, going, "Wow, this is easily a nominee for a good belching zone, hands down." And I've probably been back at least a dozen times since then. So great well, place. Due to pending legalities, the only one. <laughs> Of the four that I can currently speak on is uh, the Holy Grail in Louisville. Um, that's where we went for Swan's Day. Mm-hmm. And um, the the decor is incredible. The, the people are knowledgeable. The beer selection is second to none. And, uh, and the food is excellent. It, it is a complete experience. It's a great place to be. Um, Anytime you're in Louisville, which is a great beer town, the Holy Grail should be a destination. 
Yeah, I mentioned the Holy Grail just a few minutes ago uh, as the place where, you know, one of my favorite beers of all time, at least, well, at least 2014 was. Uh, I also uh, enjoyed the fact that they have the choir loft. Which, yeah. is a, which is a separate uh, mm. a bar unto itself with different kinds of taps going on. It reminds me yeah. a lot okay. of the Belgian bar at, yeah. uh, at, at Indicator, yeah. Yeah, at the uh, Brick Store. Brick Store, yeah. Uh, a very similar concept, you know, where they actually have a, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's a super secret place, but they have a different beer selection, you know, up, in, yeah. up there. And um, um, just a, a really great place. And... It's just uh, um, it, it's unfortunate that Zane um, was supposed to join us, you know, for this discussion today, because I know that he frequents, you know, the Holy Grail quite a bit, and we've, you know, several of us have been there, um, you know, several times, just to find a place that is of that quality in Louisville, t- uh, Kentucky, is really, I think, what stands out is I think a lot of people think. You really have to go to New York City or a large metropolitan city in order to have a really, really, right. really great, you know, bar. And you don't have to look any further than actually our past winners, you know, to really see that that is not the case. Who in the heck would pick Buffalo, New York, right? As right, right. you know, having you know the uh, a, a fabulous place to go, or even Nashville, Tennessee, you know, um, and yet uh, it's very. Uh, you're finding that people have. You know, great capability of actually producing um, some great experiences. I wanted to talk about a couple of these others on here that I don't know that either of you have, have had the pleasure of going. I would say one of the highlights for me this year was actually uh, completing what I call the Family Feud uh, trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was really great. <clears throat> so uh, we uh, we created the uh, Family Feud edition uh, this year uh, in the conversation between the two brothers. Um, Jeppe and uh, Mikel, um, who are the two brewers between Evil Twin and uh, McKellar Brewing. And so one nominee last year was Torst, uh, which is in Brooklyn in uh, the Greenpoint area. And this year, I actually got to go to the flip side. I got to go to Mikel's place, mm. um, the McKellar Bar in downtown San Francisco this year. And it was a great day. You know, I, I, uh, I, re- I remember the day really well because I remember... I got off the plane and I went directly to um, I want to say the city bar or the city store. I'm sorry, I can't quite remember the name of the place, but um, it's a really great bottle shop. They have you know really great you know growlers on tap, and um, I really love the staff there. But um, I could not wait to get down to Union Square and you know get you know to the McKellar Bar, and I mm-hmm. kind of you know paced myself to actually get there so that I'd be there you know maybe a little bit later in the day and enjoy a meal. You know, kind of was there as well. Um, what a highlight, you know, for, uh, you know, to actually go there. Um, I, I, you know, it was, it was a trip that I had to pay for, you know, on, you know, on my own and I didn't get to go there, you know, on it at the guests of the establishment. I won't tell you how much money I blew that day. <laughs> it was, uh, it was an insane amount of money and I really had a very good time. Um, the, uh, I thought what was, uh, what struck me as the interesting parallel against Torst is is that that flux capacitor um, technology that is used in Torst, so the ability of actually controlling the CO2 as well as the temperature of the tap line to try and tailor that directly to the beer, is something that they have in the McKellar bar as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, it's really great that uh, 
they're able to um ex- you have that same experience that you would have at the tourist bar in terms of the quality of the beer you know in in that in the mckellar bar itself um you know finding places in san francisco that are of any size is a real luxury because you know much yeah. like new york real estate is very expensive and I found the vast expanse of the size of the McKellar Bar uh, was really unusual, and yet uh, probably no less than, I don't know, in a matter of 45 minutes, it was standing room only. And it was uh, beyond the it place, you know, um, after work. Um, You know, I think that they could easily triple the size of that place, and it would still be standing room only. And... I, it really struck me the diversity of the crowd of the people that were in there as well. On top of that, you just had really great beer. And there were, I, I don't know how many taps they had. I want to say at least 30. Um, the food was excellent. The thing that struck me the most, again, is the knowledge of the staff um, at yeah. the McKellar Bar. There were people, there were good brewers that were right there you know, in front of you. And there were good beer sommeliers that were there on staff, you know, at the McKellar Bar as well. And I had a lot of respect for not what they did with me in terms of helping me select, but I actually watched how they interacted with many of the other patrons that were in the place and how well they were able to take, you know, people that were going, do you have something that's like Blue Moon? And no, I don't. (laughs) I don't have anything like Blue Moon. Well, it's liquid. That's the same. (laughs) Here, here's an orange wedge. Go outside. Go go down the block. No, they were really incredibly patient, and I think that they were able to um, help some people transverse what I think for many people would be a rather intimidating, you know, draft menu. Yeah. The last place on here is Rattle and Hum that we didn't get to talk about. And um, I've been to Rattle and Hum, you know, quite a bit. They actually have a, a sister uh, bar called the Beer Authority, which is in another uh, selection, actually closer to Times Square. Um, the Rattle and Hum is very close to the Empire State Building. And mm-hmm. I've been to Rattle and Hum quite a bit, no more over a number of years. There are a lot of great places in New York. Um, but uh, there's something about Rattle and Hum that has – some of the same characteristics. Um, I would say the thing um, about Rattle and Hum is the consistent nature and quality of the beer that they get there. And their commitment to cask beer oh, wow. um, is really quite extraordinary. If I That's had cool. to pick a couple of places that I think are the Pied Piper of offering cask beer, I would say probably at the top of my list would be Rattle and Hum and Blind Tiger in in New York City. Hmm. They consistently always have a cask beer available, um, even like on a Tuesday, (laughs) you know, of that week. It's not like they only do it for the weekend or something like that. And actually, Rattle and Hum does a couple of things uh, where they actually bring in a rack of cask beers like nine oh, wow. um that they'll have you know for um you know a particular event um couple that with uh, some really great food um space is a rather uh, interesting concept there at rattle and hum um uh, you know i had somebody really grab ass me you know pretty hard <laughs> <laughs> you know and rattle and hum you know i thought they were going for my wallet but i'm like no, that cheek is is empty, buddy. <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, and and even then it was it was a woman. I'm like, hmm, okay, all right, I got to come back here. This place rocks. 
<laughs> so sorry, honey. I, yeah. I don't know who did that, but I was just walking through there. It was an innocent bystander. Uh, but uh, all really great places. And uh, so uh, the voting for the Good Belching Zone Awards uh, will be open all during the month of January. You can vote on those on our Facebook site. It's pretty easy. Just you hop right on there. Just click the one you want, hit vote, and that's it. Uh, we'll announce uh, the winner of that in uh, February of 2015. Well, just a really great uh, conversation all the way around. Um, and I really thank you for joining us for probably an extended conversation for many of you. If you didn't get to listen to this all in one fell swoop and you kind of broke it up, I understand. But it was a lot of great topics that we had to cover for 2014 as well. I think the thing I, I'm looking forward to is... Holy crap, man. We've had a great time and some really good beer. And I'm looking forward to 2015. We've had a lot of great hosts on this show um, for all of our segments. But uh, our Suds hosts are just, man, you guys rock the house. So thank, thank you. you, sir. It's a high, high point of my month <clears throat> every time. I'm yeah. sorry. I wasn't talking to you, Dave. But anyway. <laughs> no, I was just saying those, those other guys are really good. Yeah, yeah. We want us to talk about the video review. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, wow. well, let's wrap up for today. Now that I've insulted Dave, we can get out, we can get on with it. <laughs> Thanks to uh, all of our listeners here at Sip Suds and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online anytime on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are threatening to take us off the air at every single time until they open up that care package from us. And they go, hmm, wow, that's great beer. Should leave those guys on. If you would like to hear this show on your favorite radio station, threaten that programming director with another case of your favorite beer and send them a note and copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day at sipsudsmokes. And our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. Listen, we did not ask you to do anything to enjoy this episode today or contribute or listen to our sponsors because we don't have any for this show. But <laughs> listen, do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us. We get to see your feedback as well. I really appreciate it. I want to thank my co-hosts for being here for this great conversation and for always being great hosts here on Suds. Dave, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mike. Hit me up at leave the cork in at sips, whatever it sips, is. Sipsudsandsmokes.com. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dave's fan mail, definitely for sure. Reverend Mark, always a pleasure. Hey, great being here. Always great uh, having both of you here. It's unfortunate. Juliana, our other perennial host, was not able to join us for today. But uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us once again. This is good old boy Mike asking you to keep on sipping. Tan Hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.